Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. I am your host, Gary Seegers, and today we are rocking and rolling with week one picks. That's right. It's a two-man show for right now, but it's okay. Kyle will be back with us again tomorrow. To your left, we have Parker Fleming, who is our analytical guru, our numbers guy. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stats of War, and you can find his website, cfb-graphs.com. And Parker, uh, I am excited. I'm excited. How do you feel about the week one slate? I'm, I'm so excited. Um, I think that week zero was great to kind of um, whet our appetite. And week one features a nice mix of some interesting games that I just have no idea about. And then some really, really fun matchups that are going to have ramifications for the playoff. And we get a couple, um, you know, really, really interesting kind of litmus test games for some teams that may not be in the, involved in the playoff conversation, but will certainly be of interest. So I think there's just uh, so much going on in week one. I'm so excited that football is back and I'm ready to dive in and talk about these games. Same here. Now, go ahead and let everybody know we are discussing eight games today. We're not going to get to the whole slate, but at the end of today, we are going to have a Q&A. Now, we're hitting the early slate games, the Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday morning games. So if you want to ask about a game that is in that time frame that we do not hit, go ahead and jump in there. We will be doing a part two tomorrow morning at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and we're going to hit the rest of the slate, right? The Saturday afternoon, we've got another a couple of games that we do want to hit in the, uh, in the Saturday morning slate. So... We're going to continue this on. We're going to do it today. We're going to do it tomorrow. This is the way that the format will be going forward unless we tell you differently. So go ahead and make sure that you've got it planned for Wednesdays and Thursdays. If you've not already, subscribe to the channel for us and hit that notification bell. That's going to let you know when we are going live. So I do want to tell you about the promo code because you can sign up at BetUS where the game begins and use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, which is absurd. I'll go ahead and tell you that. It is ridiculous. But go ahead and sign up. It's sportsbook exclusive. All that money will be used to bet on football, basketball, UFC, whatever. Sports, basically. Just sports. So go ahead and sign up using the promo code again, NCAAF2021. There is a link in the description for you to go ahead and do that. Parker, let's go ahead and dive into... The first game that we're going to talk about, this is a Thursday game, and it is a 7 p.m. Eastern time kick. Boise State at Central Florida, and I am jacked about this. We've got two first-year head coaches, Gus Malzahn, Andy Avalos. Uh, last two seasons, Boise was 1-2 and two against the spread as an underdog, 4-5 and five against the spread on the road, 2-4 and four against the spread in the non-conference. Central Florida at home at 5-2. and two against the spread non-conference. They are 6-2 and two against the spread in their last eight, uh, where they are favored by less than a touchdown. But they do have a new coach in. Josh Heupel is gone. He has gone to old Rocky Top. And now Gus Malzahn comes over from the Plains. I, there's, there's a lot to dig into here. The heat and humidity could play a, a big part in this game. Uh, defensive end, Big Cap Bryant could be huge for UCF. He transferred over from Auburn. Uh, Malzahn has a ton of skill weapons at his disposal, Give me your thoughts on this game here. This is one that I have had circled as soon as it was announced because you get kind of these two G5 powerhouses uh, finally meeting. Um, you know, we can say 
that for for whatever Hypel might do here at Tennessee, um, he definitely had a, a good thing going at UCF, and he had really kind of a, a high octane offense, uh, no doubt. This game is really interesting to me because it does feel, um, you know, with the specter of conference realignment kind of looming in the background, it does feel like a game for the future of the the G5. Um, you know, who, who's going to be in the national conversation this year? Well, Boise and UCF are basically playing an eliminator game right now. Um, the, the the thing that really, really interests me about this game uh, and what I'm kind of leaning towards, you know, we we took a lot. Of, we talked, what, two weeks ago about G5 teams and we took the under on Boise State. Um, yes. th- this game was one of them. One thing that I really uh, circled is that. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, UCF's quarterback, really doesn't make any mistakes, Gary. Now, you can argue that in Josh Heupel's offense, he's not put into a position where he has to make a lot of mistakes. Last year, he had uh, turnover-worthy plays on just 2.3% of his dropbacks. So if you flip that around, that's what, 97.7% turnover-worthy plays, which, (laughs) let me tell you, that's a a passing grade in in my class, Gary. Yes, yes. So I think that... um, UCF is going to have the offensive firepower to kind of put up some points. And I think Boise lacking kind of any, you know, Hank Bachmeyer is good. He's a fine quarterback, but that, that, that QB competition went late into the fall. Um, I don't really think they have kind of this, this star playmaker that's really exciting me on offense. And so I really think that Malzahn with, with Gabriel and a stable of just dynamic wide receivers will really be able to put up a lot of points here. And so, so I like, I like UCF in this game. Um, I, I like too. Malzahn. Um, and, and I think five, you know, you look at UCF's games and in, in their recent history, it's, it's not like they're winning a bunch of squeakers. I really think that they're well positioned to come in, run a, a cogent offensive system, um, you know, not doing great in the SEC West does not mean that you're not a good coach by any means. And and there, you know, Gary, there's an argument that UCF is a better job than Auburn in 2021. You are uh, correct. And so I, I really think that uh, this should be a really, really well-oiled UCF team. And I think in this game, especially because Boise State has a little bit more fine-tuning to do, I think that um, I, I like UCF here minus five. My number on this is UCF minus eight. I am going with the UCF minus five as well. Now, Kyle did send me a note, and he told me that he's passing on this game, but he does have this one note. UCF's pace change from Heupel to Malzahn. Uh, Malzahn's teams go relatively quickly, but they are much slower than Heupel's teams, so I don't think that they are going to surprise Boise State with anything. I agree with him on that. I do think that they are still significantly more talented than Boise State, I think the heat and humidity, there's a a chance of rain. It's going to be muggy. It's going to be nasty in Orlando. I think the humidity is supposed to be somewhere around 80%. Average in Boise is about 55%. There's a little bit of a difference there. So I do like UCF in this game. I think they're going to come out and make a statement. So I am rolling with that. That is uh, both of our official picks on this one. The next two games we're going to hit are Kyle's specials, but we're going to talk about them anyway. The first one up, South Florida, USF. At NC State. Now, this is another Thursday night game, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. The line here is NC State minus 18 and a half, uh, juiced at minus 110. And, you know, I, I've got some notes here. Now, this is Jeff Scott's second year at USF. Uh, Dave <clears throat> Doran, at the the head coach of the Wolfpack, returns starting quarterback Devin Leary for offensive coordinator Tim Beck, along with uh, an experienced defense. USF was putrid last season in Jeff Scott's first season, but he didn't even have a spring with him. It, it, nothing went right last year. However, does anything change with new quarterback Cade Fortin coming in, of course, transfer from North Carolina? Uh, give me give me your thoughts on this one. 
I like this game, and this is what I've circled to watch. I think that NC State for a while has been uh, kind of what, what I'll say sneakily decent, like better than better than you expect. Um, the, the, the stat that really sticks out to me um, there is just looking at the passing game. Last year, NC State was 22nd overall in EPA per pass at 0.399 EPA per pass. Um, and, and USF gave up against a very weak schedule, uh, 0.367, which is 125th uh, passing EPA last year. So, um, I mean, UCF just could not stop anyone. They allowed uh, a, a positive EPA in every single game except their game against Memphis, um, which was, you know, coincidentally their closest game. And <laughs> they allowed more than 0.1 EPA per play uh, to opponents on uh, in every game. So aside from the Memphis game, they just absolutely got walloped. They gave up more than a quarter point of play of value to five teams on their schedule. Gary, East Carolina <laughs> scored 44 points on, on I like, USA. I like holding I, I don't so. want to talk bad I mean, about <laughs> college players. I just, this this defense, man, they, look, Jeff Scott knows what he's doing. They've got a long way to go at, at, at USF. I don't know that, you know, um, I, I don't know what they're going to do at, at quarterback with a new quarterback. The offense, you know, 90, uh, 98th in the past last year, 107th in the rush overall was 116th, just nothing really to excite you. And, you know, I'm looking at some of these names and I'm looking at some of these, you know, EPA per rush, EPA per pass uh, or reception statistics. And, you know, Joyner and, and Miller both had decent seasons, but overall they just didn't really get a lot of people involved. Um, uh, you know, Joyner had 70 rush attempts, Miller had 37 targets, um, not, uh, not a ton of spreading the ball around. So I, I really think that South Florida has a, a lot of soul searching to do a lot to work out. And that NC state with Devin Leary, uh, you know, returning quarterback there is going to be able to, um, kind of, kind of hunt them again against a harder schedule last year. Uh, De Devin Leary let, you know, led them to, uh, a positive he was injured for a lot of it. Like Bailey Hawkman did, did play yeah. the majority yeah, so of the games, but but Leary was good when he was in. Leary was in, I think, the first three games. Uh, yeah. and, and against Wake Forest, uh, a spicy Virginia Tech defense, and then it gets pit all positive EPA per class. So I, I really do think that, um, you know, Leary is kind of a, a step up above Hawkman, and their offense was good even as even as Leary was hurt. So I, I like NC State. I like the points. I don't know that I'm going to play it just because 18 and a half is a lot for a Dave Doran team, yes. but I do like NC, NC State here. Kyle is officially playing this. He played it at 18. He said that he still likes it at 18 and a half. Um, I can roll with it. I'm not going to play it. Like I said, like you just said, Dave Doran, 18 points. That just seems like a lot. I feel like there could be a back door in there. So I'm not going to play it, but I can see where he's coming from. The next game, Bowling Green at Tennessee. Now, we promised you guys that we were going to talk about some, some off-the-cuff games. And this is when a lot of people might not be watching. But we get to see Josh Heupel in his first game on Rocky Top, and that should be at least somewhat entertaining, right? Scott Leffler, the coach at Bowling Green, the first game without BVG as the defensive coordinator. Who knows what to expect from Bowling Green? Uh, I will say this. The total is what Kyle likes here. The total sits at 61. And I did look up this stat. Heupel has only coached in three games in the last two seasons that have not hit 60 points total. Found that very interesting. Uh, Tennessee could absolutely put up 60 points by themselves. New starting quarterback, Joe Milton, he has got a rocket arm. I mean, it, it the, the balls that he throws, man, are just ridiculous. 
And they've got enough athletes, especially against Bowling Green, to be able to go out and really put on a show. And that might be what Heupel does. Uh, I would look for garbage time scores here. I think Bowling Green can can put up some points, especially on this defense. I, I, I look for a lot of points here. And, and Kyle does the same. His official pick here is over, let's see, he played it over 60. He said that he would play it over 61 as well. So, uh, Parker, you got anything on on these two? Yeah, I'm definitely not taking uh, the 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 money line here on this one, uh, or excuse me, the 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 spread here. Um, that's just a lot of points. Um, yeah. I will say one one thing that I think should be interesting, and and probably Kyle's uh, pace concern would would show through here is like Joe Melton as a rusher is probably really uh, more formidable than as he is as a passer. And given that Tennessee is going to have an obvious and apparent talent advantage, let alone a um, having their life together on defense advantage over over Bowling Green, I do think that they'll um, rely a lot on the on the run and kind of physically dominate. And so, you know, there's philosophical disagreements about whether that means they'll score a lot or the clock will run faster or, or whatever. But I think that uh, Joe Milton rushing is going to be really really interesting. Uh, 5.6 yards per per carry last year. Um, oh, he's and, a horse too. He's yeah. massive. So um, and just just absolutely big. And you know, he scrambled a lot. And I think that. Um, It'll be interesting to see what Hypel can do because again, with with Gabriel, Hypel ran kind of a um, uh, a very quarterback friendly offense. But Dylan Gabriel, Gabriel one never really had to, you know, wasn't really pressured a ton and really didn't have to kind of create plays with his feet. He was able to, but he wasn't asked to. It'll be interesting to see if Hypel can kind of incorporate that. Obviously, choosing Milton and getting uh, Hooker in as a transfer, he wants a running quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do with it. I don't think they'll, you know, show the. Um, I don't think they'll show the entire playbook against Bowling Green. I think they'll line up and, and run the ball. People people forget, Gary, last year, Tennessee was running the ball, man. Just uh, oh, almost, yeah. almost a quarter, or almost three quarters of first and second downs. Tennessee was running the ball um, and and really, really trying to establish that. They have some personnel to kind of get in the trenches. And and so I think I think they'll do a little of that. And Hypo keeps in that running identity while he gets his new um, offense up in there. Now, Pruitt, the Tennessee Pruitt teams, for I believe it was three seasons, if I'm not mistaken, they had seven overs, 17 unders, and then one push for their totals. I believe I looked that up last night. And in the last two seasons, Bowling Green has had seven overs and 10 unders. So this would be a little out of the norm. Um, I don't expect Tennessee to open up the offense, but I do think that we could see a show. We could see a lot of a lot of deep passes because they know they can hit them, that kind of stuff, just to put stuff out there. So we... Who knows? Um, Kyle really loves it due to pace of play, et cetera. Uh, so whenever he is back with us, we, we might ask him that in our Q&A session. So let's dive on to game number four here. It's another Thursday game, Ohio State and Minnesota. And this one is coming at you live from up north. Um, it is an 8 p.m. Eastern time kick. It's the, the Big Fox broadcast. And the line sits at 14. Juiced at minus 110, of course, that's the usual. And, you know, Moneyline, if you're feeling frisky with Minnesota, a lot of love for P.J. Fleck and them, plus 450 if you wanted to take Minnesota. I'm uh, I love Ohio State this season. I think that they could have the best defensive line in the country. Uh, Ryan Day versus P.J. Fleck, I think, is a coaching mismatch, I believe. Uh, Minnesota's pass defense in 2020, EPA number 116. That's, that's your thing. I got that from your site. They were awful on pass defense last season. And they're going up against the most talented quarterback room in the country. Now, the question, of course, will be, can C.J. Stroud actually get them the ball? I'm, 
I, I believe the talent alone should be able to cover two touchdowns for Ohio State, even on the road. Ryan Day, 7-2 and two against the spread uh, as a road favorite in their last nine. Uh, Ohio State is number three overall in team talent. Minnesota, number 43. I, I had this line at Ohio State minus 20. Parker, is there any reason why? I know, that, I know you're going the other way. Why or how can you talk me off of this? I think that the biggest facet of Minnesota's game is obviously uh, Mo Ibrahim, the running back. Uh, you know, he had 177 attempts last year. He was, Gary, the most involved player in college football last year. And by involved, I mean responsible for his, uh, like, had the highest share of plays where he was responsible Um for, for an offense last year. So he had uh, 48.9% of, of Minnesota's plays involved Ibrahim either through the pass or the rush. He averaged 0.136 EPA per rush. And um, he averaged, uh, you know, uh, negative, negative 1.00 EPA per target. Um, but if you look at that, he only had eight targets and he's really rushing a lot more. So um, I, I think that Minnesota will try and line up and try and rush. Um, Ohio State's defense has a lot of turnovers. I do not think that Tanner Morgan is by any means a bad quarterback. And I think that especially that Iowa or excuse me, Ohio State secondary is going to have to figure themselves out a little bit this this season. And so I am really, really thinking that returning quarterback, a very consistent ground game. Um, Minnesota should absolutely be able to keep this within two points. I actually took this at 13.5 because I think that 14 points is just a whole lot here for the style of play, you know, heavy rushing. knowing that Ryan Day is going to be sensitive breaking in a new quarterback and trying to say, uh, you know, I don't want to put him on the spot too much against an experienced Minnesota team. So I I really think that this will feel like an underwhelming game for Ohio State, but they'll still win comfortably. I just like, I mean, Minnesota plus 14 seems like a reasonable distance here. I I can see where you're coming from. I do think, like I said, I think Ohio State has the most talented defensive line in the country. I think they're going to be able to slow down that running game and and I think they will be able to score at will. Like Ryan Day, uh, covering is just a thing with him. He likes to cover the spread. You can always tell the coaches that do it because they they get close, and then they always score that last touchdown just to get over that number. He's one of the coaches that does that. I'm I'm on Ohio State. You're on Minnesota. I love battles. I love these kind of things where we can we can argue, we can disagree a little bit, and then we actually get to watch the game. So we'll get to do that on Thursday night. Moving on. Let's jump into a Friday game, North Carolina and Virginia Tech. And I am pumped about this one. Lane Stadium is always a sight to behold. The odds here, North Carolina favored on the road, minus five and a half. And, I, you know, let me, let me tell you my thoughts here. Mac Brown and Justin Fuente, I believe, is a coaching mismatch. I believe Mac Brown is a better coach than Justin Fuente at this point. Uh, a couple of years ago, you might would have convinced me otherwise. But now that Mac Brown has come back, I've got a lot of faith in him. Sam Howell uh, loses almost all of his production on offense, and it, the defense sounds like it is significantly improved. There is a lot of money coming in on North Carolina, and that scares me because the line isn't moving a lot. Tell me your thoughts on this game. What can we expect from Lane Stadium on, thir- or on Friday night? 
Virginia Tech was 78th in, uh, against the pass in EPA last year. Um, Virginia Tech was 97th on first down rate allowed on early downs, 105th on early down EPAs. Their average third down distance carry was 6.88 on defense, which is 71st, uh, 71st shortest. They allowed 41.8 third down conversion, uh, 70, 72nd in the nation. Can I read you some other stats? Hey, North Carolina. Are, I, I think Sam what Powell. you're trying to tell me, though, 13th is 13th overall in it, the past, <laughs> third overall in first down rate, fourth in EPA on early downs. <laughs> uh, average third down distance was a little bit long, 78th, but they converted it at a 44.8% clip, which is 37th, playing a reasonably similar schedule to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, Gary, yeah. does not have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback problem. They literally do not have a quarterback. Um, it's just they, no love for Braxton Burmeister. I can't believe you. <laughs> They lost. Uh, they lost Hooker, and and um, obviously they, they're going to have an identity crisis on offense. And this uh, Mac Brown is is coming into 2021 to chew bubblegum and score touchdowns. And uh, I'm afraid he's going to be all out of bubblegum before half uh, <laughs> happens here. So I, I really think that we're looking at maybe Justin Fuente's last season. Um, and I think that we are looking at a, a really really rough year for for a Virginia Tech team that has been fine, but but. Not as good as as the, as the reputation. Um, I, I really do think that North Carolina is going to be able to score. Now, Gary, you look at their game last year, 56 to 45. Again, there's some pace issues there that we talked about with North Carolina and kind of our, our preview shows. Um, I just don't see Virginia Tech being able to score 45 points here. They've got some offensive line issues. I think that they'll, they'll have to struggle to fill. Starting off with a conference game, um, I, I you know, if I was Virginia Tech, I would much rather have – uh, you know, a couple non-cons to kind of get my engines going before I, I tried North Carolina. But I think that this is Sam Howell's um, announcement game that that he believes that he is quarterback number one, not Spencer Rattler. And I think Mac Brown's going to let him score to do it. So I'm taking North Carolina here. I, I would say Virginia Tech's biggest loss last season, their biggest playmaker was Khalil Herbert, right? And they, I don't know that they've got anybody to be able to replace him. I mean, it's it, it just ridiculous. So I the line makes no sense to me. I feel like this should be higher, and it terrifies me. So you're going to roll with them. You're taking North Carolina minus five and a half. I'm going to stay away. I'm uh, I am not touching that one because it terrifies me. I feel like it should be a lot higher. So let's move on. Another Friday game. This one's my baby. Michigan State and Northwestern. Now I've I've said in the preview shows I love old man football. I like the running game. I like the the slow pace that where every possession matters, every play matters. This line, Northwestern is a favorite of three points at home. Let me let me tell you something. Michigan State won last year 29 to 20 in Mel Tucker's first season in Spartyville. And Northwestern is three, six, and one against the spread in their last 10 as a home favorite. That's not good. Um and if you just want to talk about quarterbacks, I am trusting Hunter Johnson way less than I'm trusting Anthony Russo, who is the Temple transfer that made his way over to the Spartans. I really like what Mel Tucker has done with the roster. I think it, he it, and he took in a ton of transfers, so we'll see how they gel. But my line on this was actually Michigan State minus one and a half, and somehow I'm getting three points. So I'm going to take the three points. I might sprinkle a little on the money line here, but I feel really good about Michigan State here. I think that they can win this ball game. I think that their roster is set up, and Cam Porter's out for Northwestern. 
they have got all kinds of issues with trying to get guys back. Now, I love Northwestern. I got a lot of friends that go to Northwestern that or that went to Northwestern. Um, but I, I just think that this is a matchup nightmare for them. I'm going to take Michigan State with the points. You, uh, you got a thought on this, Parker? I do. I think that um, my my biggest issue here with this game. Well, one. So in the notes, I'm ha- I'm fine to say this. In the notes, I said I don't even want to watch this game. I don't. It's going to be. <laughs> it is going to be your favorite kind of game. It is going to be. Look, we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna outpower each other. We're gonna you know put our heads together and and hit at the line and we're gonna move the football. Um, to to me. <laughs> I don't really want to watch this game. Um, I think that what we need to talk about here with this game is not necessarily just the matchup. It's not just the fact that Mel Tucker at Michigan State came in. He was the latest hire uh, besides Carl Durrell at Colorado who took his job. But the latest hire didn't have a full cycle. There is a lot of um, off-field nonsense happening uh, in, in that, that he's had to navigate. He's He's gone through the transfer portal well. So, so besides from that, we have to talk about Pat Fitzgerald and what Pat Fitzgerald does. Pat Fitzgerald is like the groundhog. And he comes out, and if he sees a shadow, he goes back in, and it's six more weeks of winter. Except instead of seeing a shadow, it's does he make it to the Big Ten championship? And then he goes back, and it's two or three seasons of of, of, of the bottom. They are the lowest in returning production, or one of the lowest teams in returning production. Um, they they got extremely lucky with a bunch of one-score wins last year. Totally unsustainable. Um, I think that Northwestern will, to the eye, be, be a very strong regression candidate, even though um, – you know, it won't be as big a jump given kind of the, the greater pattern of what Fitzgerald does of, you know, competing at the top of his development cycle and then and then reloading. So you couple that Russo, I think, can, can sling the ball a little bit. 0.257 EPA per pass, uh, almost a 70 percent completion percent, 42 points, uh, 42.5 uh, first down rate. And uh, he doesn't really scramble, doesn't have to scramble, gets the ball out quick. I I, I think that he is going to be um, they're going to have the quarterback advantage there. So uh, I. I do understand taking Michigan State in the points. Again, um, I, I do think that the temptation is to take the under here. I could I could see this being uh, in, in the 20s, though, just through some, you know, Northwestern working on some new guys on defense, Michigan State struggling on the defensive side of the ball. They were 81st against the pass last year. So I'm, I'm not playing any of this um, because it just makes me nervous, and I don't want to watch it on Friday night. <laughs> I can understand. There will be a lot of uh, stressing, I would believe. So I am playing it, though. I'm rolling Michigan State. I like what Mel Tucker's doing. I do think Pat Fitzgerald is a fantastic coach. However, in this spot, I do like Mel Tucker to come out on top. So I'm rolling Michigan State plus the three here. We are moving to the Saturday slate, and this is the early slate. We're going to go ahead and talk about Stanford and Kansas State here. Now, David Shaw, Chris Kleiman, This is a fantastic coaching matchup. Kansas State currently favored by three. Uh, The total here sits at 53. And, you know, money line, you feel like like Stanford's pretty good here. You can get plus 130. Interesting nugget about the game. Stanford, of course, is located in the Pacific time zone. And this game is happening at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday morning, which is a 9 a.m. body clock game. I'm sure that you have all heard it before, but body clock games are tough. So, uh, last two seasons, just just going over spread numbers, Kansas State 15 and 8 against the spread in the last two years. That's 65%. Stanford 6, 10, and 2 against the spread. That's 37%. David Shaw at one point was a covering machine, and now he's got to replace a quarterback. He's got to replace a lot of different guys. He's got a massive talent advantage here, but 
I like Kansas State. I think they're going to bounce back from last year. Skylar Thompson coming back in. I'm I'm a fan. And Parker, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you agree with me, right? Absolutely. I think that Kansas State is under our radar. They lost the last five games. They got absolutely embarrassed by Iowa State last year. They lost to just an ab- an abysmal West Virginia team. Um, kind of had a close scrappy fight against a, a, a battered Oklahoma State and, and a not good Baylor and then just humiliated by Texas. Um, I like to say that, you know, it's it's very kind of them. Uh, to let Sam Ellinger score so many points in his in his last game. They lost that one 69 to 31. So I think that overall, um, Kansas State has a has a bad rap from 2020. Again, they lost to Arkansas State, a Sunbelt team. And you think, well, you know, they they lost to Sunbelt team. They lost their last five games. Skyler Thompson uh, went down in the Texas Tech game due to a dirty hit. And, and was out and and he's above competent. They have kind of a combination of weapons on offense uh, with, with um, I won't pretend to say his name because I'll mispronounce it, Danny I. His last name starts with an I. He's an Illinois transfer, a tight end, um, who's just absolutely blowing people away in, in, in camp. They're really excited about him. And then, of course, the ever-explosive Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, who in, uh, excuse me, uh, 35 targets last year, uh, 37% success rate, 0.599 EPA per play. Gary, I know we're talking about the numbers, but but will you indulge me talking about football for a little bit? <laughs> yes, Here's what absolutely. I want you to watch for. This is your homework, and I want all of you to come back next week and tell me you did your homework. Stanford, uh, Kansas State. What Kansas State is going to do is they're going to line up in 11 personnel, and they are going to have Deuce Vaughn either in the backfield or on one side of the field. They are going to motion him, and he is going to get lined up against a linebacker, and he's going to go on an angle route, and it's going to be a big play. It is money. It is automatic. It is so scary. Gary, in the Texas Tech game last year, uh, there, there's a point where they motion, and a Texas Tech linebacker looks at the sideline. He's like, wait, I shouldn't be covering Deuce Vaughn, and they scored a touchdown. Um, so <laughs> I think that that explosive nightmare is, is or explosiveness is a nightmare against Stanford. I think that Stanford's going to kind of try to counter that and spread out, and Kansas State is so prepared to go big with five returning linemen. Josh Rivas, one of the best guards, one of the best interior offensive linemen in the country. So um, I think that Kansas State's entirely underrated because they're going to have stability at quarterback play. Uh, can't, uh, excuse me. Stanford trying to replace a quarterback. They've got a big old or on their depth chart. They don't know who they're um, – who they're starting there, their offense last year uh, was 22nd overall. A lot of that was driven by rushing, but their their defense, man, 112th against the Pac-12. Uh, we're not even adjusting that for schedule, and I, I would say their schedule was a little bit um, on the weaker side there, um, given the games that they had. They did win four down the stretch, Mar- uh, but but all of those were all of those are relatively close. They were kind of doing that win by one. I think in a battle of you know teams that would like to win by one, Kansas State is much more prepared to get a big play, much more prepared to kind of take advantage. So I I, I took this at two and a half. I will take this at three. I would take this at six, Gary. I, I feel the same way. I, I A touchdown here, and I feel okay with it because it, this is just my eyeballs telling me. And, and when I go back and actually look at the Pac-12 playing at 9 a.m. last season, and I've seen Stanford do this as well. They scored six points against Northwestern several years ago when they played a 9 a.m. <clears throat> game in Evanston. Sloppy play, very unorganized. They look out of sync early in these games now obviously you can you can adjust for that you can get these guys up at you know 5 a.m for a whole week and get their you know get their bodies adjusted to it but it's still tough when you are used to playing late afternoon whatever and then you are thrown into a game in texas where you're having to play at 9 a.m your time i think that's going to make a difference in this game 
I'm rolling Kansas State minus the field goal. I did take them at minus two and a half, but I feel good at the field goal. I do feel good up to, let's say, six and a half. I feel good at that. So uh, let's go ahead and move on. We've got one more game that we're going to hit, and then we are going to discuss the Q&A and see if anybody jumped in. I do see Duke and Charlotte. I see uh, Oklahoma, Tulane, stuff like that. So we'll uh, we'll jump in there and figure out what's going on. Army and Georgia State. This is another 12 p.m. Eastern time game on Saturday. Georgia State last year, 6-4, and four, three losses by one score. Sean Elliott seems to have things working okay there. Jeff Munkin, though, at Army, not bad. Not bad at all. He has absolutely turned the Black Knights around. The line sits at two, and it is juiced at minus 115 in favor of Georgia State here. Money line for Army if you feel like playing the cadets here, plus 110. Here is what I'm curious about. I love Army, and I feel like they are typically a really, really good bet. Whether it's early in the season, late, doesn't matter. If you go back and look at the stats, Kyle actually sent over to me. Uh, he said Munkin's record against the spread early in the year disproves all of the theories that option teams, like catching them early is better for you because you have more time to prepare, all that. I get it. Oh. But but the against the spread numbers will actually tell you differently because Munkin, like he prepares his team insanely well early in the year. I Georgia State, they got some star power with Cornelius Brown the fourth. And uh, Pinckney, McCoy at wide receiver, they got a good running game. Can their front seven get stops against Army? Because I could totally see Army, you know, 45 minutes time of possession, good, productive drives. Give me your thoughts here, Parker. I think this one is is really, really fun. Um, this is, you know, you talked about Bowling Green and Tennessee. That's for That's for the people who, you know, uh, look, you're you're a special kind of person if you're itching for Bowling Green, Bowling Green, Tennessee. But Army, Army, Georgia State, man, that is that is for the people. Uh, I love this game. I love this matchup. This is the number seven uh, defense in Army uh, and the number thirty-seven defense, Georgia State. Uh, I expect this to be a really, really slow game. I love the under here. Um, Army kind of sneakily was way better than you thought last year. Uh, a couple stats about that: most big play runs. Christian Anderson was uh, eighth overall in the in the FBS with seven. Um, Army ran on 90, 90.7% of early downs, including eight uh, scrambles. So they tried to pass uh, eight more times, but they were they were running even even more. Um, if you look at this, they were they were plus 18.4 point point margin per game, which was second nationally, negative 0.112 EPA per play on defense. So a really, really good team. They were they were one of the slower teams in terms of drives per game. Um, and Georgia State, uh, they had their moments. But I think if you look at that kind of Appalachian State game where it was 13-17 and they, they kind of kept it close, um, uh, uh, Georgia Southern, um, again, 30 to 24, they, they really are able to keep some of these games kind of close. And so I, I do expect Army to cover. I expect Army to cover, honestly, comfortably. But I really do think that um, the under here is a good bet. And I think that Army is is, is going to be a really fun special team this year. Uh, I will say I picked this game. And then today, Gary, Army has come out, again, with an or at the depth chart for quarterback. Yes. So it, it I, I don't want to say that quarterback doesn't matter for Army. But, but I mean, they're, they're not going to they're not going to start the wrong guy. Right. Um, and, well, no, so, and, and they'll play, they've been known to play multiple. So it, I think yeah. it'd be fine one way or the other, one way or the other. I, uh, I can see where you're going. I'm going to stay away from it because I, I do think Georgia state can be explosive. And I wonder about army's schedule last season because they 
played some nobodies last year. So I wonder if those numbers are legit or or not. You know, I, I do know they're an incredibly well-coached team. And I do kind of expect them to win this game, but but I'm going to stay away from it. So I will let you take that Army plus two and the under there. I do like the under, uh, but I'm going to lean it. I might put some pizza money on that thing. Let's jump into the Q&A before we give our recap today. Uh, Easton Shirtliff, I hope I said that name right, wants to know about Oklahoma minus 31 against Tulane. Uh, that's a Saturday morning game. Game was moved to Norman from New Orleans because of Hurricane Ida. Obviously, uh, we're thinking about everybody that is down in Louisiana that was in the storm's path. I I will tell you, I expect big things from Oklahoma this year. I know that you do as well. I could not imagine being a two-lane player right now having to go play this game. Um, yeah, that, that was going to be my comment, Gary, is that I'm not going to talk about the betting implications of a game where a team has been moved from their homes and all that. that it's not, it's not, I'm not making a judgment of that. I'm just saying I, 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 we're thinking about all the people in Louisiana, thinking about the Tulane team that is uprooted probably for this entire football season. Um, and so, so props to Willie Fritz, shout out to those guys and we'll, we'll definitely be rooting for them. I, I don't have a pick on that game. Uh, and cheers to, of course, Oklahoma. They are hosting their, they're hosting the game in Norman but it will be a Tulane home game and all of the profits made from the game are going back to Tulane uh, to help get things, you know, cleaned up down there. So props to them for that. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a feel on that number at all. Uh, I didn't have a feel at 27. Don't have a feel at 31. I don't, I don't even know how to judge that at this point. Uh, big trouble. Jack wants to hear our thoughts on Duke and Charlotte. I believe that that line has moved down to six. It was six and a half. Uh, let me pull up the number here, but I, I believe it's, I believe it's six. Either way, I do think that this might be, um, I'm not going to say wrong team favorite. I think Charlotte could absolutely stay in this game. I do like Duke a lot. And Parker, this is a good, I guess, philosophical question. And I, I thought about it last week when we were watching the week zero games. Hawaii last year did not play a single P5 team. And then they went to UCLA and they got their doors blown off. In this situation with Charlotte, they were scheduled to play North Carolina last year, but had to miss the game due to uh, all sorts of COVID issues. It could could we see the same thing? Because I think Charlotte is a good team in Conference USA. I think they might have the best wide receiver core in that conference, but I I don't know if they can stack up. Gary, I think I'm having okay. a couple issues here on my side. Let's let's take a break and let's figure this out. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's figure out what's happening. We'll be back shortly. All right, we apologize for that. Welcome back to the college football show on BetUS, where the game begins. And we are back just in time to go ahead and knock out our recap for the day. So let's go ahead and dive into the picks that we have made today. Don't forget, Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, we are going to go back through and knock out some more of the Saturday afternoon slate. So our recap picks for today are... Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got a question for Penn State, Wisconsin, and that is actually going to be on tomorrow's show. So, again, make sure that you tune in. If you're not already subscribed, do that right now. And our recap here, Parker has got UCF minus five, Minnesota plus 14, North Carolina minus five and a half against Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium, Kansas State minus three in Arlington, Texas against Stanford, and he's taking Army plus two in the under 49 and a half against Georgia State. I am rolling with UCF, Gus Malzahn in his opening game. I like them against Boise State. Ohio State minus 14 against Minnesota. Michigan State plus three against Northwestern. And Kansas State 
minus three against Stanford. Same as Parker on that one. Kyle's picks. He wasn't here today, but he will be back again tomorrow. NC State, minus 18.5 against USF. He likes the Bowling Green, Tennessee over 61. And he also likes Kansas State, minus three. I love it when we all agree, Parker. It feels well, so much you know, better. You know what that means. Now we're all going to be wrong on the one we agree on. <laughs> That's usually how this thing works, but we, we do all see an advantage there. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and and check in and make sure everything's good to go. So uh, I think we're going to go ahead and roll down, and we will be back again tomorrow with a whole new batch of games and a lot more fun. Hopefully you will join us. We appreciate you for tuning in. Again, if you have not already subscribed, please do so. It's right down there in the bottom right-hand side of the screen. You can go ahead and click the bell. That is the notification bell. It will let you know when we are going live, but I'll go ahead and tell you right now. It's 12 p.m. Eastern time on Thursdays. So go ahead and lock it in. And if we do not get to a game that you want to hear about, as always, there's a Q&A that we will do at the end of the show. So go ahead and make sure that you are ready to type in, and we will get to your questions. I promise. Uh, go ahead and tell you this. I'm going to hit it again. I'm going to tell you a, a thousand times. You go to BetUS, where the game begins, BetUS.com, and use the promo code NCAAF2021. You are going to get a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and that is sportsbook exclusive. So I, I can't make it any more clear to you that you need to do this. There's a link in the description, so go ahead and click the link. It'll go ahead and enter the promo code for you. It's very easy, so knock that thing out, NCAAF 2021. With that said, Parker, we're going to go ahead and get out of here, and we will start prepping again for tomorrow's show. We appreciate you watching. Thank you for checking out BetUS, where the game begins.